Welcome back to Trad Man, everybody. As uh, or I should say, Trad Me. Uh, <laughs> we drop the N when Jason is out of town, uh, so it's just Trad Me right now. <laughs> right now. Trad Man, uh, Jason, you're out of town. We love you, brother. Be safe and come back uh, to your Catholic brothers uh, as soon as you can. I uh, got a great guest with me today. I've been following his Insta page for a while and like a lot about what he has going on and kind of uh, uh, where where his head's at and some of the things that he's got going on. I want to talk about it with you guys because I think now is a really important time to talk about uh, spiritual warfare, but I think in a different way than we've done uh, before. Uh, and I, I think you'll we'll get into it a little bit, and you you guys can see what we're talking about. But before as before we uh, begin, as always, we start with a prayer. So let's invite the divine blessing to come and uh, and be with us and enlighten our minds to grant us an edifying discussion on the realities of the spiritual battles that we're engaged in. Uh, and so, if you're listening, please join along. In omni patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Veni sancti spiritus reple tuora corda fidelium et tui amoris in e signi macinde. Imite spiritum tuum et creabuntur et renovabis faciem tere. Oremus. Deus qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustrationi docuisti. Da nobis in iorum spiritu recta sapere et de eo semper consolationi gadere per Christum dominum nostrum. Amen. In omni patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Joining me today, tonight, uh, with uh, the confraternity of war angels is my buddy Pierce, who um, has got one of the most interesting and I think right where I'm at Instagram pages that's going on right now, because a lot of us are, we understand the spiritual realities we're engaged in right now in the world. And for a lot of us who are new to it, it, spiritual warfare was not something I was thinking about growing up. It wasn't a part of my, my world. And I came into it kind of when I, I really started embracing the faith again and everything, but it was always kind of a, you know, a, a weird topic for me. I never really got into it and I didn't really know a lot about it. How did you get the, first of all, let me ask you a question. The confraternity of war angels, is this your well, I guess it's the Holy Spirit's idea, but is this sort of uh, your uh, uh, initiative? Uh, kind of. So there's uh, there's three admins are on our page. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. Um, I run my own page, which is Catholic Guardians. Eric, my buddy, he uh, runs Brotherhood of the Angelic Crown. And then our, our other buddy, Ethan, runs uh, Catholic Armory. So the three of us all, I think it was like three or four years ago, we all kind of just fell in on instagram to kind of just like every group chat like random people are added to we we kept getting added to the same groups and we all thought alike and uh i had a podcast going at the time where i was really reaching out to young men who are kind of lost giving them the tools to begin their their journey towards being like an actually authentic catholic man mm -hmm. and eric kept reaching out to me wanting to know what i had for guys that were already well-established disciplined catholic men like where do they go like catholics who don't know anything they can come to my podcast or they can go to any random you know traditional page but like where do dudes that actually have it together like where do they go and that conversation kind of sparked a bunch of ideas and uh, the confraternity came out of that so it's a it's our little brainchild for guys that have their stuff together. How can we come together and become more than just individuals in our community, but to create our own kind of our own army? Well, and, and yeah. And, and, and so 
I should give you a little bit of my perspective from looking at the page and kind of what my, uh, what the way I looked at it, what was so attractive to me about it is this is very um, uh, masculinity focused spiritual warfare. Not saying that the ladies don't engage in spiritual warfare, but you know, men and women are created differently and we have different, uh, different needs, different skill sets in a lot of cases and a, and a different set of responsibilities that our Lord holds us to account for and that we need to be fulfilling. And if guys, if you're, if you're into that, if your head's there, you need to go check out the, the confraternity of war angels page, because it's not just, um, St. Michael pray for us. There, there is that, but there's also, uh, there, there's a physical fitness aspect to it. There's training with uh, firearms. And I know people are going, Oh, we say <laughs> listen, I, and this is where I come from. You, as a, as a man of your household, you are on the hook for the protection of your family, their lives, and your property. You don't get to delegate that out to anybody else. And when you die, if you didn't hold true to what you're supposed to do, you're going to be judged for that. Yep. So you need to be prepared. And I'm not, you know, obviously no one's saying we're going to go out and start capping people. That's not really the point. The point is to have that preparedness and that set of knowledge, that skill set, at least at a lay person's level, right? You're mm-hmm. not going to watch Confraternity of War Angels and become a SEAL Team 6 operator. Not not really. But yeah, you have a lay person's understanding of some basic self-defense tactics going along with the spiritual aspect of it. Do you think that's a fair assessment of what you're yeah. trying to accomplish? Well, I mean, I I, I think our, our general, our, our thought is that if we're traditional men, we're traditionally authentic Catholic guys, and we aren't training in firearms, we aren't training tactics, we aren't doing self-defense, we aren't being physically fit, then we're really not truthfully being authentically Catholic men mm-hmm. because we're negating, as you were just saying, there's there's a whole responsibility that comes with being a man, especially when you're a husband and even more so when you become a father. Like You can't delegate those responsibilities off to the cops down the street or you know your neighbor who's a gun nut like you can't do any of that it's all on you at the end of the day so if you if you don't really believe it then you don't put feet to faith and what we believe is that our training and our message is really putting feet to faith like we are really living this out fully we are dedicated and ordered and disciplined in our prayer life and in our actual physical lives mm. because you know as as paul says or i believe it's paul no it's not paul um faith without works is dead right james james yeah james yeah but if our faith if it doesn't change the discipline and the characteristics and the behavior of your life, then your faith is dead as well. Yeah. It wasn't real. Your your faith has to change who you are. And, uh, it really, it got kind of got kicked into drive when all of the Unipro Sarah statues were getting yanked down in California Mm -hmm. and everybody was like, Oh, you know, like protect our parish Bishop Barron, say something and uh, uh, like, let's have a prayer meeting. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, while someone's, you know, caving your skull in, I hope your prayers do you something because you standing there and only doing half the job, which is prayer. Like you have to pray. You have to have to pray. And I don't want people to think that we're against prayer. But if you only ever pray, like all of all of Scripture, New Testament and Old Testament is full of people praying and then acting on that prayer. Yeah. And, and we have to get that action bit and forever 
the the liberal side or the kind of more modern side of our church has really denigrated and cuckled the masculine action side of our church. Big time. So we are all about being armed at church appropriately. I like I don't need anybody strapped with, you know, tactical gear and, <laughs> and walking around their church. No, yeah. But like you should be armed at your church. You should be aware of the dangers that come around your church. You should be aware of all of those issues. You should have a plan and you should be training to fix that. Like those are the things that uh, for some reason we've just grown so complacent in. And we think that it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not really a big deal. Like it's never going to be my church that gets ransacked by a bunch of left hippies until it is. And until then you stand is. there with your family and you're like, oh, crap. I really wish I would have done something proactive about this. Yeah, no, definitely. And one of the things that I go back to a lot is St. Joseph, you know, and I know St. Joseph artistically has been expressed and some, some artistic expressions of St. Joseph, he almost looks a little effeminate. And I, I just like kind of get gay, irritated by gay. that because here's the, here's the thing, the road from, from, uh, from Bethlehem to Egypt is a dangerous road to travel in the first century. You go outside a town in the first century, ain't no sheriff's departments, ain't no, it, there's nothing but wilderness and highway robbers out there. And I guarantee you, St. Joseph, the, he is the ultimate strong, silent type. If you came at the Holy Family, he had something for you. Yeah. I, now, there's nothing spoken of that in scripture and that's not talked about. And obviously St. Joseph's not a guy going out looking for trouble. And he's not, and he's, he's in control of his, of his strength. You know, you, you've got to have that ability, but you've got to be in control of it. And to me, St. Joseph has always like personified that, like, that's my, I mean, he's not the exemplar Jesus is, but he's, he's perfectly uh, imitating Christ in that, especially in that respect. And I always go back to that. Like, do you think that St. Joseph really would have just, just stood there while the Holy family was attacked on the road? No. Right. The, the reason yeah. why God put him in charge, because Joseph was a grown ass man. Don't get it twisted, man. And yeah. so when we're talking and one of that's again, I go back to your, your page and a lot of what you guys are talking about. And by the way, there's a merch section. So there's going to be links in the description. So get down there and get you some merch. Um, and I, I, I want to go back to the, uh, the, the training aspect of it. And I like what you talked about with discipline, especially not just discipline in your physical training. Discipline and prayer life is something that I'm big on. It's it's about your commitment to the routine. So um, if you if every day you only have let's say four or five prayers that you do every day, if you do those prayers every day consistently, that's better than if you pray the entire divine office just once a year, right? Or yeah. a rosary once a year or something like that. It's about consistency. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so so tell me about your, uh, let's get into just your daily prayer regimen. What does that look like for someone like you? So, you, you know, uh, I've got a family of, uh, five kids. Mm -hmm. So we do, um, daily rosary obviously is, is kind of non-optional. Whether how invested the kids are in it is, is questionable. <laughs> sure. Uh, the angelic crown. So the chaplet of St. Michael, um, liturgy of the hours, uh, the, my wife has got a bunch of uh, time hacks on her phone where we go through different prayers throughout the day, um, whether it's just her and I or just her or her and the kids or me with the kids. Um, but we have, you know, 
it, it sounds almost not childish, but it sounds really kind of rudimentary, but we actually have alarms set on our phone. So you can't use the excuse where it's like, oh, you know, you got carried away at work or I got carried away doing, you know, whatever it is. Like we actually have alarms set to remind us that we need to take a break from what we're doing in order to pay homage and respect and honor the Lord through prayer. So Definitely. that's mine. Um, I know Eric and Ethan are both really similar. They don't have, Eric has two kids. Um, so I know he doesn't have as much of a difficult time praying the rosary with his kids as I do. Um, Ethan doesn't have kids, but Ethan was a, uh, a canon with uh, St. John Cantius or whatever they are. Right. So his, his prayer life is exceptionally disciplined, um, which I think, you know, I think that's the really cool thing about what we have is, is Eric was a cop. I was in the Marine Corps and Ethan is this really devout, um, I think he's still discerning which which order he's going to, mm -hmm. but we we all kind of come at it from a different perspective, and we can kind of lend our strengths to each other. And Eric likes to talk a lot, especially when it comes to because a lot of our posts when we talk about the use of violence, because we're huge advocates for violence, and we don't mean it in the way where it's like go out and be unjust in the use of violence, but go out and do just punishments. Like that's that's our job. Like we're called to delve out certain things at times, but a lot of the times people come at it from this, like the second you use violence, there's a hatred behind it. And it's so contrary to not only what I lived out in the Marine Corps, but Eric, Eric talks about times where he would be with a suspect or, or, or whatever, where he would go hands on with them. And then he would stop and he would pray with them. And there were so many times where I was in the Marine Corps where we would pray before we would go do stuff or pray afterwards. It's like, there's, there's nothing but love behind what we, what we're doing. Just sometimes it's mercy and sometimes it's judgment and it, it's never the same thing, but you have to be able to do both. But a hundred percent of the time, whether it's mercy or it's judgment, there's prayer behind it. That prayer is what allows us to keep centered with Christ so that we don't become wrathful or too pacifist. And it allows us to kind of keep what we're doing as clean as possible because mm. being violent is, is dirty at times, but our prayer life is what allows us to kind of rise above the filth of what you have to do in order to keep it in line with the, the kind of like the left and right lateral limit that the church gives you. I'm not doing more than I have to. I'm not doing less than I should. I'm held to a certain level of, of, responsibility and I have to act within that. And that, that action comes through prayer. So Most a lot of people get it, get it, get it twisted that, you know, we're just knuckle draggers that like to go out and hurt people. And that's, that's almost never the case. I, I know so few people who really preach that, that aspect of it, which I think is, is horrible and misguided, but you know, we, we, we get lumped in with it and it's, it's kind of unfortunate. And yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, you have to expect that there's going to be some violence. War is violence. Spiritual war is violent. That's why you're fasting. We're yeah. we're in Lent. We are we are doing physical violence to our bodies because we're trying to defeat the demons that live within, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you've got to expect a little bit of that. And I think a lot of these same people who are like, oh, you can't believe you advocate for violence. They'll be the first one to give a Grammy to, I shot that bee and I killed this <laughs> man. I so oh, they're, they're I, I the first one on the phone with the cops too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I, oh, that, that I have had personal experience with. I, 
So I yeah, went to law. They, so I'm a, so I'm an attorney, and I went to law school, and everybody I went to law school with was slightly to the left of Karl Marx himself, and you know they're all uh, gonna you know we're, we got to get rid of guns and uh, calling the cops is racist. That was my favorite one. Calling the police is racist. Um, you mentioned that you were in the Marine Corps, and you mentioned uh, your buddies in law enforcement. So my dad was in both. Um, he was in the Marine Corps in uh, in Vietnam, and just wrapped up uh, an outstanding 47 year uh, law enforcement career with the Houston police department. But um, where was I going with this? I was getting off on a tangent here. We we're talking. Oh yeah. Calling the cops. Yeah. Yeah. These same guys who were calling the cops as racist and we got to defund the police. They're the first ones on the phone. Yep. They're the first yep. ones. And I used to tell them, you know, you ought to thank God for the police every day. Cause <laughs> they're the only reason you don't get beat to a pulp every second. Yeah. Cause the very first thing you're going to do. Oh, that ain't true. This ain't. Yep. Nope, it happens. <laughs> yeah, and I, I it, it, like, there's so much about violence that I think squares, especially again, I'm a guy, so I can only come at it from a guy's perspective. But there's so much respect in conversations that I have with guys that I know can can be violent with me, versus conversations that I have with people where violence is not even an option in their in their mind. They've never visited it. They've never had it visited upon them. They've never even thought that somebody could do violence to them. The vitriol and hatred that they come at people with is so disproportionate to anything I've ever seen. And it's like, do, like if, if you weren't behind a keyboard, if you weren't behind your phone or on your laptop, you wouldn't say that to anybody face to face. Right. But because you've never had your teeth kicked in, you have no problem just spelling it out online. And it's so frustrating because in our church, we've allowed that same mindset to come in where guys can't have reasonable disagreements about how our faith is lived out physically. It's their way or the highway. And if you don't like it, so and so. It's like, you know, I remember a time where St. Nicholas punched a heretic in the face. Yes, he did. And it's like, you know, we we have a holiday with him. So like maybe maybe we should remember that like our church is as you know like I can't remember who says this but it, I love it. It's judgment without mercy is hatred and mercy without judgment is pacifism. Hmm. So you've got to have both. And our church for you know I, I know what the reason is, but for 50, 60, 70 years all we've done is focused on the love and the hugs and the kisses and the kumbaya and the sitting around the dance and the fire and like talking about how cool it feels to love Jesus. But if you look through scripture, scripture is full of combat, physical combat, not just spiritual combat. Like there is equal amounts of love and blood and you've got to accept them both. And if you don't, you're missing out on so much of the faith. And I don't, it it flabbergasts me that guys are just like, no, you know, I don't, I don't need to work out because, you know, I just, it just, you know, whatever. Like, I don't like to, I, you know, I like my donuts. I want to be fat or, you know, like, no, I, I don't do boxing because, you know, Jesus is about love and Jesus says, turn the other cheek. And it's like, I'm sorry, but you just don't understand the Jesus that's in the Bible. I agree. I agree completely. Cause <laughs> Jesus, Jesus threw, uh, through table, through, through over tables and he- kicked- I mean, I love that, that he sits, it, you, if you read the scripture the right way, like yeah. the right way without like your preconceived notions, if you read it carefully, he flips the tables, he stops, and then he fashions a whip. So it's yeah. not like he found a whip just he found, randomly he on the table. 
He made a he weapon. Found, he put the pieces together and then went back to beating people. It's like, okay, like that's that's a different level. That's like, yeah, I hit you, I went back to my car, I grabbed a crowbar, and then I came back. There's there's a lot more anger, justifiable anger, just anger, and violence than people are willing to to give credit to. And it's like you missed yeah, out think- on the I love of Christ was, without the violence. Yeah. And I always think it was because, you know, it, it, obviously there's just as many sinners in first century AD at, at Palestine as there is now in here where I live in Houston, Texas. I, where, by the way, where do you, where are you located? Just curious. Uh, so, so I'm in Nevada. Okay. Uh, Eric, Eric is in Oregon and Ethan's in Washington. So we're all Pacific Northwest. Okay. Um, is that uh, Jesus, there was something about it when it happened in the temple. And I think, you know, and we have to think of the temple as a precursor to the church, right? Because that's what it is. St. Paul tells us. And so, there, you know, looking, looking in the Old Testament, why did Cain kill Abel? What was that about? It was all about the sacrifice to God. Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. And they went to war over that, man. This is, this, people act like, oh, this is not, you know, who cares? Who cares, uh, you know, about the, you know, what liturgy they use and things like that? No, man, this is important. People, people been shot and killed over this thing, man. This is no joke. Um, So any, so going back to like your, you know, I found your, your page and I was like, yeah, that's yes. Um, Going back to what you were talking about, physical fitness. Why do you think? physical fitness is an important part of spiritual warfare. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I'll use the, the I agree with you and I, and I like people who are on that level. And I think we should talk more about that. So the first one is to use the example that you were using. Joseph was not a weak, old limp wristed, you know, hippie, right? Joseph was a, from all accounts. Um, I, I, I love the, uh, the consecration of St. Joseph by father Calloway. It, it goes through like not just his thought of what Joseph was, but like why he thinks Joseph is the way that he is. Joseph was a young, virile, so very, very fertile, athletic and dangerous man. Just to be the man that he was at the time that he was and to accomplish the things that the scriptures tell us he did, you had to be young, virile, athletic and dangerous. Right. So if Joseph, who is the pinnacle example of base humanity, right? So not exempt, you know, exempting Christ, who's God and Mary, who's got all of this divine grace. Joseph is just a dude. And I don't mean to denigrate Joseph in any way, but he's just a guy. He's got no special graces from his inception to any like it's just discipline in his body. And that discipline in his body mirrors itself so well in his discipline and faith. Right. And uh, I love how scripture describes Joseph. Joseph is back in the Marine Corps. We used to have a saying discipline is instant, willing, obedience to orders, self-reliance and teamwork. Joseph is so disciplined. He gets told to get up and to take Mary out and he gets up and he goes out. Not like, oh, you know, I'd really like to do it. Maybe Thursday. You know, today's not the best day. I'm sorry. You know, it's a little bit cold outside. It's windy. No, Joseph shuts his mouth. He gets up, he packs his family and he takes off. And then when he's gone and he does this horrendously long, dangerous journey, the angel's like, yeah, man, like you gotta, you gotta head back. And Joseph's like up and out. So I, I have a really hard time. And this just might be my personal issue. I have a really hard time buying the faith that people have when that faith doesn't 
become physical. So people who have these giant pages about, you know, what, what discipline their faith is. And it's like, yeah, but you're like 600 pounds, bro. Like that's not only sloth, but gluttony. Right. So right. We're, we're talking like two huge issues there. You've, you know, consider your body a lease. Like I, I'm leasing this from God. It's not mine. It's his. I'm just borrowing it for the time. How disrespectful is it of me to God if I don't care for the gift that he's given me? Right. How am I going to honor the Lord if I can't honor my body? And then as a husband and as a father, if I'm not fit, did I really take the sacrament of matrimony seriously? Was I serious when I, in essence, bargained the church to, to baptize my children? Like, am I really living out? the 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 deal if i'm fat lazy and i don't take care of myself i don't i don't see how you can say in one breath that your faith is so strong internally but your fitness is lacking substantially i don't see how you can say the two together without some sort of internal hypocrisy and then not be called on it i just don't i don't see how you can square those two yeah. And, and, you know, it's important to remember in our, in our religion, we are incarnate spirits and I don't think you can take properly care for the soul without care for the body. Now the soul is in the driver's seat. We know that like the body care for the body is not in the driver's seat, but it it's, it is a necessary component and you can't neglect it. And one of the things that, that I think about all the time, and I'm not, I'm not some, you know, Adonis or anything like that. And it's a constant struggle. It's just like the spiritual life. It's a constant battle. So maybe if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, I've tried to diet a million times. I keep failing. I keep, I, I, I go to the gym. I don't know what to do. I look like an idiot. I'm 600 pounds and everybody in there's fit. And I just can't do that, man. Get back on the horse, bro. Don't, 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 don't let that's Satan, man. That's Satan yeah. talking to you, bro. Get back on the horse. Go in there, man. Ask some people, how do I, how do I use that machine, man? You'd be surprised uh, no, how, I, I'll, how I will helpful say random dudes in the gym are. Yeah. Like I've never been to a firing line. I've never been to a range or a gym where somebody who knows squat about what they're doing has showed up and not gotten a million kudos from everybody else there. Yeah. I take so much excitement when I see people trying to work out, trying to shoot, trying to lift, trying to do all these things. I want to help them in every way that I can, because I know one, I know where they're at because I was out of shape and I didn't shoot well when I started. So I know the embarrassment and the shyness and the cowardice that they might feel. And I want to help them. But I also know like where they're trying to go is so much better than where they're at. So I'm trying to help them get there. Hmm. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I have a buddy, he likes to say, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And I feel like our fitness, especially now where being physically fit is so difficult for people, it's because we have so many conveniences that pull us away from disciplining ourselves, And that in turn will pull us away from our faith. I don't, I, 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 I have a hard time divorcing the spiritual and the physical. Um, where the devil is attacking us as much as he can spiritually for us to think that it only is going to occur in the spiritual realm. We are so ignorant of what scripture generally, but 
our life is so much equal parts of the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And it's not like the devil is precluded to just one of those. He interacts on both of them. And to think that I'm not going to be attacked physically in some way, whether it's my health, my fitness, my whatever, or some rando attacker who's coming to my house, I'm, I'm dead wrong. So I I feel like, you know, I, I hate the word feel. I truly believe that if you are disciplined in your faith, that discipline will immediately traverse over to the physical world. Yeah. And one of, I think the best tools, and you were saying about it right now in Lent, it's Ember Saturday. I've been fasting for two days now. I fasted on right. Wednesday. I fasted yesterday. I'm fasting today. It Same. sucks. I, I hate it. I've never once, I mean, there are plenty of penances that I actually enjoy doing. I love suffering for the Lord. I hate fasting. Yeah. Every fiber of my being, I detest every bit of fasting, but it's the most discipline creating and ordering kind of you can penance do. that you can do. It's it's like, I'm going to starve myself of what I need the most, food. It's like, okay, that's going to suck, but it's going to make me stronger. And that drives my faith more and it drives my physical fitness more. I don't and, know if you feel like this after you, like after you've done like uh, like at the, at the, at the close of Ember Saturday, when you finally do take your first meal, it's a small meal, right? Cause you haven't, you've been you know, Ember Wednesday, Ember Friday and Ember Saturday. And then we go into tomorrow, Sunday. Do you, I feel stronger. I, I take that little meal and I look back at the fasting I did. And I know I'm stronger going forward. Yeah. I, I mean, it's instant. You, you, and people, I know it's not all about feelings, but sometimes it is. And yeah. I tell you, if you, if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I'm just not feeling any of the benefit from spiritual warfare. Do a good, honest fast. And then yeah, when you break that fast. fast, you'll feel it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, one of the other things that uh, this goes along with is nutrition. And I've been thinking a lot recently because I did not take very good, good care of myself when I was in law school. I'm a stress eater. So I, I would sit in the law library and just like shove food into my face. Um, and I came back to the faith during that time when I was in law school. Um, and really started to think about how do we eat in a way that glorifies God? Because, because everything we do should glorify God. And when you're sitting there and you're stuffing a whole pizza into your face, you know, think about your kids when they look at you, are they proud of you? Do they, do they go, man, I'm proud. That's my dad. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm, I'm serious, man. I, no, no, and, I, I a hundred percent agree. And And granted, you know, I'm not there. I don't have the six pack or the washboard abs or anything like that. It's not about becoming hot for the world's for the, so so the world can glory and God's newest Mm -hmm. gift to women. It's not about that. It doesn't have anything to do with that. And if you're doing it for that purpose, you really ought to stop and, and, and check in and, and figure out what, what's going on in your life. But it is about, um, you know, like you just said, God gave this body to me and we're going to be resurrected in our bodies. This body is not an accident. It's a theological reality. Okay. And it's not just a body. My dog has a body. This body (laughs) is made in the image and likeness of God by God Mm -hmm. himself. That is different. Yeah. Yeah. Do I want to spend an eternity not being able to see my toes? (laughs) Exactly. But again, it's all about your, it's all about what's going on inside. And it's a manifestation of that. I think, if you, if you've got the, the, the Adonis abs and you're shaved of all hair and everything, I, I think you're not physically where I, I don't think that you have been fact, 
I think you've made that a, a new maybe idol or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, your 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 vanity and lust and for your ego and pride have taken over. Right, and so it's got to be the balance, and so uh, you know that's where we we invoke the Lord. Um, I don't know if if you're still like this, but m- like my dad, when he you know obviously he's a Marine um, and b- raising me. I was in, I was imparted with a lot of the values of the core, um, never having been in the military myself, obviously, but, but having a lot of those values imparted to me, everything was cleaned top to bottom, left to right. Did you have that? Did you guys do that in the Marine Corps? Well, uh, no, it was just, it was, it was spotless. So you come through with the white glove and you'd swipe and you'd look, it's like, yeah, man, your glove's been dirty for a year. (laughs) You could wipe, you could wipe a piece of glass and find dirt. No, I, my but, dad always used to like that top to bottom, left to right. I, I thought that was an, a, a ubiquitous Marine Corps thing, but I didn't know. I think there's a lot about a disciplined upbringing or a disciplined life that you you try to give to your kids because it brings order to your life. It makes order. things easier. It's so it's so chaotic. It's the, the world is chaotic enough, and there's no reason to compound it by having an unnecessarily chaotic life. And a lot of people will look at order and they'll say like, oh, that's rigidity. You know, the, the Holy Father loves to talk about he how traditionalists are rigid. It's like, good. I would, yeah. way, I would, I would much rather be called rigid than limp-wristed. Well, it's like I, I heard this great line in, in Yellowstone. You're either born a willow or you're born an oak. And it's <laughs> yeah, one or the yeah. other. And yeah. I thought, yep, you're sure right about that. So, yeah. Um, and I think you're, you're right. There's, a, there's something about... Because if you read in in Genesis, God speaks the universe into existence, but when he does so, it's all just kind of stuff, yeah. right? And and the spirit moves over the waters of the deep, and the, and the Hebrew word for that is tohu vavohu, which literally just sort of means chaos. It's just stuff, <laughs> right? And then he sets everything in order. When we do that, if you when you wake up in the morning first thing and you make your bed you are setting yourself on a path for the whole day by making order out of chaos and that's going to speak to the interior part of you that's made in the image and likeness of god like we're not gods but we have a lot of godlike qualities sort of built into us by the creator and something about that's going to make you feel yes it's it's better than feeling good it's feeling right it's I'm going in the right direction. And you're going to notice everything throughout your day is just going to be better. And like when you straighten up your office or you straighten up your desk and you've got your, your you care about that, um, you will see your life improve and you will also see Satan attack you more. More, yeah. Uh, and when Satan attacks you more, you know you're doing the right thing. That's, I mean, that's so right. It, you know, and, and we use we use things where it's like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this new thing to bring order to my life, but things get so hard after I start doing it. It's like, good. That means it's working. Like if, if you put order into your life and your life gets easier and easier, like that's, that's not the right direction. You want your life to be difficult, not because it's unnecessarily difficult because you're just living in this chaos and nothing's ordered and everything's just falling apart. But if I have a tight ship and life is difficult, that's good because that means that I'm on the right path. The devil, you know, was it? Um, the devil doesn't bother with, what is it? My wife says it all the time. She says something along the lines of, uh, oh, the devil doesn't tempt people who are already his. Yeah. So it's like, you know, God bless. If I feel like I'm under spiritual attack, 
sometimes our initial reaction is to be like, Ooh, it's like, no, like I'll take, I'll wear that as a badge of honor. Yeah. If I'm under attack, I'll wear that every day, twice on Sunday, because it means I'm doing something right for the Lord and the, and the devil hates it. And it's like, good on me. Like I had, okay. a, I had a recent yeah. experience recently where I've, I've been feeling like I was under attack under, a, under a demonic attack for like a past two months. And it was just impossible for me to go to confession. Um, I, I would stand in line. I would, I would feel a physical illness. I'd get nauseous. Sometimes I would be overcome by a lot of really powerful emotions of anger and things like that, everything that's going on in the church. And I just, I'm not in any mood to go to confession. I got to go. And I was listening to a podcast recently, uh, the exorcism files, uh, with a Catholic priest who talks about, um, he said, you know, one confession is a hundred times more powerful than an exorcism and a demonic manifestation will be that, you know, they'll try to keep you from going to confession. I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I'm really irritated with, with everything that's happened in the world. I'm irritated with everything that's happened in the church. Let's go to confession tonight and kick Satan in the teeth. Cause I don't like him. Let's do that. Like let, let's bear down. Let's just go, you know, let's, yep. let's kick him in the teeth. And I tell you what, it's the best thing I ever did. And you know, now, now we're, I'm back and everything, but the, the priest in confessional uh, agreed with my diagnosis. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like you're under attack. And I want to see you back about once every four days. Um, because that's, you know, sin is something, sin is how Satan gets purchased in your life. It's like, a, it's like driving on a road. Right. And you know, you're, when you walk out of confession, your soul is like a wet block of ice. He can't drive on it. He can't get any traction, but the ice dries out over time. And if that ice gets really dry, it's just like concrete and he's going to drive all over you. So go to confession, uh, often is the, so let's bring back to the sacraments, the war angels. I loved that name for the confraternity. What is the confraternity of war angels? How does one join it? And what are the, uh, the spiritual practices of the confraternity? So we're actually in the process of trying to find a spiritual director and then actually get the proper, you know, ominous dominus from the church. Cause okay. uh, just about every priest that um, most of us know have heard about four seconds of it. And they're like, Ooh, you know, you had me until gun. So you, you got had controversial. Me. Yeah. So it's, you know, until it was, you know, correct. And then you're like, Oh, I guess like, maybe if I was talking about training gay people, I'd have, right. you know, Jesuits falling out of the woodwork. Oh yeah, so, you would. Yeah. Um, no, no question. Yeah. So, I mean, the war angels bit came because, you know, quite frankly, you, you know, we honor the angels throughout scripture who have, quite literally gone to war um, right now, all that we, uh, that if people want to join or they, they feel, you know, a fire inside them to, to kind of follow along, follow the page and just kind of start consuming the content. Cause the content is, it's very little of it is look at me, look at what I'm doing and more like, Hey, this is what we've done. This is what's successful. This is what we found success in. Maybe you should try it. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to give guys who are moderately locked in, they already are disciplined, they're already you know pretty well ordered in their life. Um, we're trying to give them a couple smaller tips and tricks that that we've found that have been really helpful. But more more than anything else, what we're trying to do is we're trying to to give you know for lack of a better term the warm and fuzzy to guys who feel like this and they feel like they're alone. 
Like they yeah. sit in church and they're they're armed and they've they know the exits, they know the risks, they know the dangers, they know the the limitations of their their abilities. And they sit in church and they look around and they just feel like if you know shit hit the nope. fan, Nobody they were gonna me. be the they were the only one there. And it's like that that feeling is so detrimental because you feel like like maybe am I overreacting? Am I overplanning here? Like what is like why am I always the nut job who's got, you know, a year's worth of food and water in my garage and you know, guns and ammo? Da, da, da. It's like, no, that makes you smart. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to one, build a community where guys can get better at what they do through a base of knowledge that all of us have. Um, but we're trying to make it so that guys like us, if they're alone in their diocese or alone in their parish, they're not actually alone. They're just not with us right now. That and I think sense. that's that's the important bit because so many guys have this mindset, but they're beaten down by the 500 Karens or Susans or, you know, limp-wristed dudes in the parish where it's like, yeah, I look at guys in the parish and it's like, I could call one of you my friend. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's a shame. Like I would never want you guys to come over. I look at them and I look and it's like, I wouldn't want your kids to date mine. Like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't let your sons marry my daughter. If my son looked at your daughter, I'd be like, Mm-mm, nope. Nope. And it's, and it's just like so frustrating. It's like, no, sucks. Like I don't like this. And then what you end up doing is you end up hating it. And then that hate turns inward and you don't like what you're doing. And then you just get mad. And eventually, and I, I, I was here for so long, you, you end up angry at God and angry at the church, not because you love God or because you don't love God, but because you feel like God has alienated you in this God created me to think and to act a certain way. And I think and I act in the way that I believe God created me to. And when I feel alone, it's, it, it can cause so much anger because you feel so alienated by being made the way that you've been made by God. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that guys that are like that don't feel alone. And it gives them an outlet. It gives them a community. And it gives them a base of knowledge that they can take and then grow from on their own. Yeah, I... I something has happened to Christianity in general, not just Catholicism, but I mean, I, I, so I have this, this theory that, um, uh, I don't know if it's a, I think it's just Western civilization in general, something about modern Western civilization that just makes religion suck. Um, <laughs> they, they, it's the comfort. I tell you what, the, the, about the only respectable thing about the Muslims is they haven't let the modernists in yet. Uh, because <laughs> as soon as they do, it's all they, over. They, yeah, they kill um, them. Uh, yeah, yeah. And well, and yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And maybe that's the reason Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. I mean, whether, whether that frightens you or not, yeah, I have They're to doing wonder, something. Yeah, I have to wonder if we, because they act like they believe their religion is true. Yeah. Okay. That's, thank you so much. They are, and I, I detest everything that Islam stands for. They are the only people on the face of the planet who unabashedly proclaim what they believe and live it out every day. You can't find one flipping Catholic who will stand up and say, girls don't belong on the altar as altar servers. We should be facing away from the people. We should be doing mass in Latin. Women shouldn't speak up. Husbands should lead their families. Like there, there are so, so few men who will live out the Catholic faith the way that it's meant to be lived out because they're afraid of being canceled in their own parish by left-wing, fat Nancy Susans who yep. sit there and do nothing but bash on men. Yeah, and I and I I that's where I always go back to what the ubiquitous symbol of our religion, the cross. 
You know, all Jesus would have had to have done, he didn't even have to lie. All he had to do was just shut up. Just stop talking. Just stop talking and you're going to be good. And Jesus said, no, it's so important that I tell the truth that if that's the cost of telling the truth, let's go. So be it. Let's go to Jerusalem. That's fine. Um, You know, so I have to wonder if we, if our popes and our bishops and our cardinals and our priests and our lay people, yeah, I'm talking about lay people too. If we acted like we believed our religion was true, might we be the fastest growing religion on earth instead of the incredible shrinking church? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I mean, the, the demographics in the post-conciliar Catholic church are, are not great. I, I mean, we, you can look at the numbers. There's not a single one that's good. Yeah. The number of Catholics is up. The number of priests, nuns, uh, men and women religious, that's all down. Uh, mass attendance. Check this out, man. And, and I want to know how this lands on you. According to the Center for Research in the Apostolate, which is Headquartered out of Georgetown University, not exactly a tratty click, right? This is this is a modernist hellhole. Has numbers out that say that in 2020, that in 2020, so this is pre-pandemic 2020, weekly mass attendance amongst Catholics hovers at around 15%. That means 85% of the Catholic Church doesn't go to Mass every Sunday. That ought to be a mic drop right there. I, I don't know why that's not talked about. Because that well, is I a mean, frightening and terrifying statistic. That that and seventy percent of church going Catholics don't believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. What in the world is or, no? I think it's I think it's higher than seventy. I think it's like ninety. It's, it's, it's probably some 90. astronom. It's astronomically high. The vast, this vast, is, vast majority. This is what I love, though. People always say, you know, like when you go to say, as, you know, so like as a, a, you know, I'm not an apologist, but I love to argue. Like when people say, you know, the church is doing great. And that's like, no, it's really not. And they're like, well, the number of Catholics is up. It's like, okay, first off, the vast majority of people who call themselves Catholic decide to leave the church actively by 13 years old. So that's atrocious to begin with. Secondly, I was out traveling three weeks ago with my wife and my kids. We were at some dirtbag casino in the middle of BFE. We got dinner and before dinner, because we say grace at every meal, Food gets served, we stop, we pray. And it's like big Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We pray out loud. We don't shy away from it. We do it in your face. And then we start to eat. And this old guy gets up and he comes over and he's like, you know, I just wanted to say like, that was a really beautiful thing. You guys saying grace, I'm Catholic. And I was like, oh, I didn't see you say grace. And he was like, well, I mean, I don't pray anymore and I don't go to church. And it's like, you're Catholic though? Oh yeah, it's like, no, no, you're not Catholic. You're saying you're Catholic. You say you're one thing, but everything you live is the opposite. So when people say, you know, the numbers in the church are Catholics are growing, it's like, no, they're not. People who just, you know, flagrantly claim the title of Catholic might be up, but people butts in pews, living it out daily, down, down yeah. like a rock. And we we all know it. The people who sell that garbage don't go to church. They don't go to church because if they did, they'd see and they'd believe. And they'd be like, you know what? Yeah, no, it's 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 not. I, I got into this argument years ago with a priest. I was having a hard – we were at a Novus Ordo, and uh, my wife was converting at the time. She was going through RCIA, and uh, I was That's having awesome. some issues with her instructor. So I was bringing him up to the priest. I was like, hey, I just want to like tell you about this. And this and like, From my perspective, Father, these things – keep people like me and my wife away from the faith. 
they shy young people, you know, at the time we were in our, you know, mid twenties, it's like, it keeps people like us away from the church. And I was like, we go to the eight o'clock mass. I see nobody our age by like a generation. Like I might be 25, the nearest might be 55. And it's like, there's no young people here. And he goes, well, you don't go to the 10 or the 12. There's tons of people there. It's like, so three Sunday masses, two of them have, have kids and, and young people. One third doesn't. And you're totally fine with that. So your, your rebuttal to me is not, yeah, you're right. Like we should figure out how to keep young people in the church. Your thing is like, well, you just go to the wrong mass. It's like, no, if young people were popular or if church was popular and young people, 12, 10 and eight would be chock full of us, but it's not you're not doing something right. And you just refuse to admit it. Well, I mean, well, and see, here's the thing about modernists. <laughs> They're so out of touch. You know, we always make this joke that modernists are stuck in the 60s. I mean that quite literally. I, yeah. I do mean it literally because the thing you have to, I mean, because it's always perplexing. We hear, we hear all this thing from Francis and everybody. Oh, we've got to listen to the young. We've got to listen to the young people. We have to have solidarity with the young. And then they ban the traditional Latin mass and you're, and you're confused because that's where all the young people like to go. That's where the young people okay. are. You got to understand something about a modernist. A modernist, when I say he's stuck in the 60s, he, that 80-year-old bishop who's out there banning the Latin mass, when he's talking about the young people, he really he's still believes he's talking about him. And in his mind, he's still that 21-year-old seminarian who's going to change the world, man. Yeah. And they never got out of that. They never and, – and I'm convinced they can't at this point. I, I just yeah. don't know if it's even possible. They never you know, grew up. They never they never grew up. And they never got out of their little moment, right? Vatican II was their little moment. Mm -hmm. And and yet that's why when you hear them talk about it, they in their minds, it dwarfs even the resurrection of Jesus itself in the history of the church. And it's like the okay. council. It's like, yeah, yeah, pass. maybe not. Yeah. The <laughs> resurrection. How about how that? we all survived for 2000 years without <laughs> them. But thank, thankfully, they came and blessed us with all of their good wisdom. I actually like a lot of the Vatican do two documents. I like the docs themselves. I'm not fond of what happened afterwards, obviously. But um, I think that if we um, well, I, I just don't know that there's any argument to be had with modernists on this issue. I just yeah, know that, that the good news is, I think you never heard that saying. Some people are so far behind in the race, they've actually believed they're leading. <laughs> I think they don't have a deep bench. The, the guy that they got to be their Pope is not doing well health wise. And I do pray for the Pope and I want, I, I want the Pope to uh, you know come back to, I don't know what I want. I just pray for the Pope. Okay. Um, yeah. and then, you I know, pray for his full conversion. Well, see, and then that's, here's the, here's the tricky thing that I have about Francis. Can I get off on a tangent with you? We, I go know we it. got 10 minutes yeah. left, but like, so people ask me, they're like, so do you believe Francis is a heretic? And I go, I have no way of answering that question yeah. because if you ask Martin Luther, Martin Luther, do you deny the church's teaching on indulgences and purgatory? Martin Luther stand up at the diet of worms and tell you, I deny that. I do not believe that. And that's where I stand. That's what he said. I love him or hate him. You, you got to at least give the guy his, you know, okay. He, he, the stones. He, he believes what he believes. Okay. You ask Francis, do you believe in, um, do you believe the Catholic church accept gay marriage? And he'll give you, it is important never to get bogged down in rigidical definitions of this or that. What is important is that Christ is love and Christ is always with us. And we must uh, initiate greater solidarity with the poor for a greater distribution of the resources of the world. Cool. What? What? He didn't answer the question. What did he say? 
I'm not taking any more questions on this. I have no idea. I have no idea what he believes. I read the guy. I don't understand. I don't get it. I know he's the Pope, but I, apparently he's not speaking to me because I can't, I don't know what he's talking about. And he doesn't. I have a, I have a, an old pastor who's a bishop now. And uh, every once in a while we'll have long talks, especially when, you know, Pope Francis comes out with something, you know, out of left field, even for him. And I'll be like, what, what is this? And uh, he spent a lot of time in Rome. So he, he's, he's had a lot of personal interactions with um, the Holy Father, aside from like waving at him. And I was like, I was like, what do you like? Just give me an idea of the man himself. And he's like, he's the Donald Trump of the left side of the church. <laughs> I, love it. I was like, what? And he goes, he's got 24 seven mouth diarrhea. He yeah. said, the man just opens his mouth and just stuff comes out. And he goes, sometimes this stuff is actually things he believes. And then sometimes it's just stuff. And he goes, and sometimes it's stuff that he, he thinks people want to hear. He goes, but he just comes out and it's just like, you just can't stop it. And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't understand how to deal with that. And he goes, well, he goes, my prayer for the Holy Father is that the Holy Spirit opens his eyes to the truth or shuts them in death. And I was like, that's, <laughs> yeah, I had, fair. I had the hardest time praying for the Pope because it was like, listen, dude, like you stand diametrically opposed to absolutely everything that I believe our faith teaches. Yeah. And it's like, so how do I pray for somebody like that? And when he said that, I was like, you know, that's such a good prayer because I'm not like, I don't hate the Pope. I love the Pope. I want him to be like, I want him to be. I want to present. see him in heaven. I want and to be I in want, heaven. Yeah, I want to see him be successful. Like I want popes to be successful. Like, cause a, a successful Pope only means a more successful church, which benefits me. And then moreover, it benefits my kids, but it's like, opens his eyes to the truth. It's like, okay. Yeah. Cause he, from my perspective, he's blind or shuts them in death. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. Like, I don't, so, I don't watch him to be like in pain or anything, but it's like, I want the Holy spirit to save him from himself. I loved what you just said, because I've had, that's a feeling I've been having for a long time. And I, I have, I explained to people because we were talking about the, the set of a contest that, and, and, and how, and how big that's become since Traditionis Custodes. When, when I got into the Latin mass movement, I started in the late nineties. I'm kind of an old, an, an old cow, I guess. Um, and, um, like nobody was a Sene. I mean, you didn't know anybody who was, you heard they were there, but no, and now everybody's one. And I was talking about, and I said, you know, my biggest problem is, is I don't, I don't need Taylor Marshall to believe that Francis is the Pope, even though he does. <laughs> I, I need Jorge Bergoglio to believe he's the Pope. That that's my challenge. He won't yeah. live in the Vatican. He won't live in the papal apartments. They threw away the tiara. He goes on and on about how, well, you know, you can't think of me as somebody who's up here. I'm just one of you guys. I'm one. I'm just like everybody else. Like I don't want you, you to be. You've done that. So, and, and, and let's be honest, there's been a little bit of that in John Paul II too, and then some other popes, you've you've stripped the office down so much over the past fifty years. It's not my fault. Nobody believes you're the pope. I'm sorry. Right. When you have a job like that, or the president, or a CEO of a major corporation, when you talk, you play with live ammo. You've got to know that. Yeah. You cannot just walk around with an Italian newspaper guy behind you who's high, who's an atheist. Uh, who, who's a, you know, a militant atheist and just spout everything that comes out of your mouth. And then when it shows up in the paper, be like, well, I don't know anything about that. I don't have anything to do with that. You, I, you've got to think about it as bigger than that. I would think. 
Well, you I would just, think, but they don't. They just speak. I just don't think Jorge Bergoglio ever really came to the realization that he's really the Pope of the Catholic Church. Right, well, because gotta, forever he had another Pope living at the same time, so... And like, I got to be honest, I might have fallen victim. If I mean, God forbid, you ever anybody ever elected me pope, but like I would think, like, like what if you woke up one day and you were the pope? I would uh -huh. be like, no, nah, this ain't real. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't real. Yeah, the I don't circus know. is I, over. Maybe I wouldn't wrap my head around that, but I've always thought that's my biggest issue. I I really believe probably if I got to know him as a person, I might like him. I don't know. I don't know him. All I know is, uh, you know, what what I've seen and what I've seen has not inspired me i'm sorry I... but and, and so this is what i think is really powerful is as a man the frustrations that i have with the holy father are the frustrations that i have with all men yeah he holds he holds such a powerful office and he through his order and his discipline does not live up to the authority that his office proclaims to have and i'm not mm. not disagreeing with any of the authority that the pope has but the office that he holds proclaims to have X, Y, and Z authority, but he himself doesn't act as if he holds that position. But then he, yeah. he claims that he is the Pope. And it's like, listen, man, like you can't have it both ways. That's Either right. you're not the Pope or you are. If you're a husband or a father and you're a Catholic and you are a crap husband and a shit father, you're not a Catholic. You don't get to do those. If you're going to hold an office and the office of husband and father has so much responsibility and so much authority in it, if you don't live up to those, you're doing more of a detriment to the souls of your wife and your children than you are anything else. And you've, oh, well, got, you've got to hold I really that responsibility. Liked, I really like that you confronted the priest about what you were hearing at, at, at church because, and I, I, I'll tell this to anybody, as, as the husband you are you are ultimately responsible for catechesis in the home. The idea that well, I take them to church once a week, and that's 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 something that they they do all that. Uh, uh, if your kids by about you know it, by about the age of reason, now obviously once they get to be teenagers, they're going to have to make a decision as to whether or not uh -huh. they want to be on board. And you know when they're under eighteen, you may be able to influence a little bit of that. But after <laughs> the eighteen, you maybe have to respect their decisions. Unfortunately, I don't know, but I think. If your kids are 10, 11, 12 years old, they don't know how to say the rosary. They don't know major theological and moral tenets of the faith. You failed. And, yeah, you, and you can, you you can blame up. your pastor just so much. Yeah. We have uh, our daughter just turned seven. And uh, she's, she's super, she's stolen the Eucharist twice. So now she's excited that she doesn't have to steal it when we're not paying attention anymore. <laughs> and um, so... So we went to our pastor and um, I was like, hey, father, it's like, you know, she just turned seven. We're interested in first reconciliation and first communion. Like, what like, what do we have to do with you? Like, how do you and I interact in order to get her the sacraments? Yeah. And he goes, oh, talk to, you know, so-and-so. She runs the program. And it's like, okay. So I go over to her and uh, she's like, yeah, well, you know, we meet every other Saturday or we meet every other Sunday in between the masses. It's like, no, I'm sorry. You misunderstood. How do I get her? to receive the sacraments. You aren't going to teach her anything because that's my job and my wife's job. How do we get her to get the sacraments? And she was like, well, we meet every other weekend. It's like, you're not, you're not catching this. It is not your job to teach my child about the sacraments. It's my job. Yeah. I don't, I don't need your class in order to get her, her sacraments. 
she just needs to have been taught. So it's like, I'm going to teach her. My wife is going to teach her. There's nobody better equipped to do it than us. How do we get this? And the look on her face, she was just dumbfounded by that <laughs> concept. It's like, what, what, when she takes the class, it's like, yeah, at my house, she'll take the <laughs> class. Like, but like when she's done with my class, how do I get her the sacraments with your class? And she was like, she just didn't get it. And it's like, guys, you, you've got to, you've got to understand that there's, so like, this is me to guys. It's like, you've got to understand you cannot be backseat drivers in the faith of your kids. You That's cannot right. do it because your kids suck at driving. Yeah. Kids suck at driving so That's right. bad. That's right. And it's like, and we we're like, we're dumbfounded. It's like, yeah, I don't know why my kids don't go to church with me. It's like, cause you suck. You suck at teaching. That's why. Like you didn't take any effort. You didn't take any time to show your kids why you love Jesus. And that's, well, and that's why they used, don't love him. You just use the, the key word show. My father brought me to church, took me to the catechism classes, got me the sacraments, but he never lived the faith. Never saw him live the faith ever. Never saw him pray. My dad will tell you he's proud of the fact that he's never been to confession. And uh, so consequently, I can't go to mass with dad anymore. I just, I, I can't do it. Um, I pray for him and I hope he goes to confession. But, you know, if you, you can tell your kids and you can teach your kids, oh, so much, but if they don't see you live it, they're not, they're not going to believe it. It's not going to stick. It's not going to survive those tumultuous teenage years when they're being bombarded with ideologies and people and friends from different religious faiths and different religious traditions, and everything. And it's not going to survive that because kids only imitate if they see you do it. I'm sorry. I, I just do not believe that you can teach. You got to show. I mean, yeah, you, you so, have to do both, but you have yeah. to show. If so you in the Marine show, Corps, it's not going to work. Yeah. In the Marine Corps, we have a, a four letter acronym for teaching. It's explain, depict, imitate, practice. You have to explain the faith. You have to depict it. So you have to live it out. You allow your children to imitate and then they continue to practice. Those are the four ways that you as a father get your children to live the faith out. Yeah, and there was a study a couple of years ago. This was pre-pandemic, but they, it was like, uh, if a mother brings her kids to church, it's like single digits that the kids will continue on in the faith itself, right? If a husband and a wife bring their kids to church, it's like 90% of the kids will keep the faith. And if it's the father by himself, it's 94%. So fathers, and this is not to denigrate moms, but I always have to say that because some lefty is going to be like, you hate women. <laughs> but the father's job is so vitally important. And we've done such a crap job of explaining. And then as a man, shaming husbands who don't come to church. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I used to, I used, I used to teach confirmation at the Nova Soto parish that we went to, you know, like a decade ago. And I got to give the parental portion of the class. So I'd get all the parents in a room and I'd explain to them the next two years, this is what your responsibility is. And I'd look out over the room and year after year, it was a hundred women and maybe one guy, maybe one. And the first thing I would do is I'd get up and I'd be like, hi, my name is Pierce. It's like, where are your husbands? It's like, yeah. it's Saturday. Where's your husband? And they'd be like, well, he's golf. out doing this or golf. golf or, you know, whatever. And I'd like, you understand this is not a mother's thing. You guys have so little impact in the faith of your children and not to denigrate you, but you just don't statistically, you don't have an impact in your kid's faith. That's right. Your husbands do. They need to have their asses in this church next to you living out the faith that they're forcing their kids to go participate in. 
every everything so that's going on in the world right now goes back to 1960 and the invention of the pill. Let me tell you who invented the pill. We did that. And ladies, I know we told you we invented that for you. For you. We invented that for us so we could shirk our responsibilities, be cowards, not man up, not take care of what we're supposed to take care of. And 50 years later, here we are. I mean, look at the world around us. The world is a fatherless child right now. So a lot of us, and, and I don't know if, if, if your experience is the same, but I mean, we're from the same generation. Our parents got divorced. We're the first, our parents were the first generation to get divorced at massive rates. 50%, I think was, was what they're, and my parents were no exception. My parents divorced when I was three. Um, and then my, my father's been divorced and remarried five times. Great Catholic, um, you know, and we don't have the experience, at least I don't of my parents to fall back on in a lot of cases. And so coming to a place like the confraternity of war angels where guys are going to shore you up. And you know, it's not just, it's not just about shaming guys, man. If you, if you got a buddy who, Hey, you ain't seen it mass in a while, man, reach out. Something might be wrong. Heck, you don't know. And invite him back. Hey man, what's going on? I ain't seen you in a while. Everything. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not going to church. What's going on. Talk to me, you know, be a, be a brother, man, be a brother to your brother. Don't, you know, don't just, well, I guess he doesn't go here anymore. If you know him, <laughs> if he's a buddy of yours, man, reach out. Something might be wrong. You may, he may need help. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but- you, so, 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 so often we shirk our responsibility out of uh, a convenience factor, right? And not, to, you know, it's easier on me. It's just, it's easier on me to not have to one deal with your emotional trauma or guilt or baggage that you've got for why you're not doing it, but it's just easier to not have the confrontation, but there's, scripture is chock full of instances where brother speak harshly to each other. Yes, sir. It's like, Hey, like, why aren't you at church? Well, you know, like, I feel like that. It's like, like that. It doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter. The number of times I've had a buddy sit down with me and be like, your feelings don't matter. Your actions do. You've got to shut up, pick up your cross and you've got to march forward. And, and that, I think at the end of the day that, you know, this carry your cross, mantra has been so watered down because it's turned into such a limp wristed lefty kind of like, yeah, just pick up your cross and go. It's like, you know, I don't think you understand what picking up your cross means. Pick up the thing that you're going to die on and march forward with it. Yeah. And guys, it's a, physically pick up the things that are going to kill you and carry them with you. March forward, shut up, pick it up, put it on your back and go. That's that's what I think ultimately men desire so much to be told to shut up and do. And so often they settle for the, well, why do you feel this way? Because <laughs> yeah. society, society has for so long told us that at the end of the day, we're just as emotional as women. It's like, listen, when my wife cries, I can't tell her to shut up and just do her job. Cannot yeah. do that. Right. My wife, on the other hand, if I'm having a really rough time, if if I'm having issues with work or if I'm really stressed out and I'm feeling really down about it, my wife can literally come in and be like, shut up, go do. And yeah. I'll be like, yeah, okay, you know what? I'm going to. Thank you. It's when different I, for guys than it is for girls. And guys needed to be told, shut up, pick up is. the cross and move. So I, I the first time I, I took the bar exam, I did not pass. And I was, I, I was devastated. I mean, I was just physically ill over it because I'd put so much, it's, it's an incredibly difficult exam 
and you've just done three years of schooling beyond college to go just to get a ticket to sit at the table. And I didn't pass it. I was really upset. And my wife said, I'm going to give you the weekend. 48 hours. At 47 hours and 59 minutes, this crap, the pity party is over. And I said, yes, Good woman. I said, I said, okay, but I get the weekend. She said, you get the weekend <laughs> to sulk and complain and whine. But at 47 hours and 58 minutes, pity party's over. You're going to pick up your bayonet. You're going to fix your uniform, fix bayonets and hit the friggin' parade. And I said, yes, ma'am, we're going to do that. And that worked. And what happened is I went back and I studied again. Didn't pass the second time. Went back, studied again. Didn't pass the third time. Passed the fourth time. Now, you can laugh and say you might not be that good, but hey, man, I studied for the bar four times. I memorized that text. I know the law. Um, but the, the, the character development, I'm a stronger person today because of all that failure. That's what picking up your cross is about. You know, yep. the failure is the growth, right? It's like, it's like at the gym. That all your gains are in that last rep that you just can't. That's where all the growth is there because that's your training to failure. Well, it's just the spiritual life is the same way, man. When you fail, go back into confession because your soul, like muscle fiber, when it rebuilds, it builds up bigger. Yep. That's that's the whole key to the game, right there, man. Uh, okay, we're at an hour and eight minutes. This was a great conversation. Yeah. I am gonna I'm gonna cut it off. We're gonna cut have you back on the show. Because uh, you're you're a good dude. I like you. We're gonna have you back on. You're a friend of the show. Um, Confraternity of the War Angels. Their page is on Instagram. We're gonna put a link in the description. There's merch over there. Get down, pick you up some merch. Quit being a punk. Uh, go to mass. Go to confession. Say your rosary. Be a man. Yep. That's 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 really all we have to say. Um, do you have anything else you want to close us off with any other exciting things in the future or should we just stay tuned for that for right now? No. Uh, so uh, stay tuned this month. We're going to be making our announcement for rosary and rifle 2023. So you know, a My lot man. of, we're, we're super pumped about it. This year is going to be bigger than last year. Last year was, you know, what is that? Tell me about that. It, so uh, it's a, this one is going to be a full week. It's a full week of camping, shooting and prayer. So it's, uh, and where do I sign up for that? How do I, uh, yeah. So, uh, when, when the uh, announcement comes out, we're going to have sign up page, but it's in Oregon. We rent a range and we stay, uh, campground close to the range, but we camp out for four or five days and shoot during the day, pray in between and then drink beers and shoot the shit around the campfire. Sounds boring. Okay. No, <laughs> Hor horribly I'm boring. I'm in man. Uh, that sounds awesome, man. If, the, if, if I can talk Jason in, we'll come, we'll come up there. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do a little trad man cameo. Maybe. I, I don't know if there's internet out there. We could do a live show if there we, is, but we if... actually, we got a, a Skylink for the week so we could okay. have internet out there because we were going to do a bunch of, uh, streams and things last year and we couldn't get internet service out there. Well, and, uh, if I can talk Jason into coming with me, we'll go out there. We'll do it. We'll do a live man trad. We'll do a, a trad man live show uh, out there at the, at that event. Cause that sounds awesome. I wanted to do something like that for us. I had this idea guns and rosaries where we yeah. like do a, like a hunting trip or something like that, but also incorporate like a spiritual retreat in it as well. Uh, but I, I, that, that sounds like even a little bit more fun. So I might, I might go do that. Um, that sounds awesome. I want to thank my buddy uh, for coming on the show. Confraternity of War Angels. Get out there. Check out that Insta page. Go check out the um, the merch store. Pick you up some merch. 
pray for us. We'll pray for you. Remember, life is harder, but it's harder when you don't say the rosary. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh, I want to thank all the subscribers who have subscribed to the channel. Hit the like button. Drop us a comment. Let us know if you like what we're doing over here at Tradmen uh, because you guys help out a lot. And um, other than that, that's all I got. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show with me, uh, Pierce. And um, come back, man. You're, you're a friend yeah. of the show. You're, you're my kind of hombre, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. God bless everybody. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Have a good one.